0: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast.
1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome into this emergency edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I have just woke up uh, 15 minutes ago to the news that the Packers have moved on from Joe Barry. I'm hoping it's not a report from CNN sports, which seems a little bit shaky at the moment, but uh, no, it does seem legitimate. Let me start off by saying never going to celebrate anyone's termination, firing, getting moved on from, etc. cetera. Uh, and I do, le- I, I, you know, I do legitimately think Joe Barry is one of the nicest dudes in coaching. Listen back to my conversation with justice Mascada yesterday. Um, I do think that this is probably a hard decision for Matt LaFleur to make. I do believe that Joe Barry will land on his feet. I do legitimately think that he is arguably one of the best linebacker coaches in the NFL. He just hasn't shown to be a good defensive coordinator. And while I will not celebrate his termination, I will absolutely celebrate the fact that Green Bay has decided to move into a different direction and that they will be getting a new defensive coordinator in 2024 I've said it this week. I didn't think that these last four games were quite as good as maybe even they looked on paper. You had two pretty weak offensive opponents in uh, Minnesota and Chicago. I didn't think the game against as I rewatched it, especially I just got done with the all 22 yesterday as I rewatched the 49ers game. I did not think that the defense was as good as it looked on paper or even as it looked kind of in real time. And they also gave up, obviously, uh, the game winning drive at the end. And then even against Dallas, where things start off great, you still have that bitter taste in your mouth where they're just kind of able to easily go down the field at the end. I didn't think it was quite as good as what it looked. And we all know that prior to those four games, it was abysmal. I also think that we know that in seven years of defensive coordinator work for Joe Barry, there was never a top half of the league defense in any single one of those years by DVOA or pretty much by any metric that you want to measure it by. We know that this team could not get turnovers. We know that the constant miscommunications were on display even through the final week of the season. And we also knew that there are a plethora of defensive coordinator candidates that are out there that quite frankly, are just better than Joe Barry. If, if you want to take it at its easiest, most low hanging fruit, the decision between Joe Barry and Ajiro Evero. If you want to keep the same exact system and just have somebody who brings, I think, a bit more energy and a bit more analytical approach, and it's just quite frankly been better running the exact same defense with less talent in multiple spots, that's an easy apples to apples comparison. And you say, that's the guy, like you, but that's at least that's at minimum an upgrade. Now, everyone might get a coaching job. He might stay in Carolina as the defensive coordinator. He is still there as the defensive coordinator right now. But that's I'm just saying in general, like these are the simple decisions that you have to look at it, even if you're just looking at it from apples to apples. I know that a lot of people are not going to want Brandon Staley as their defensive coordinator, but I will make the same argument if you want to run the same system. And if you want uh, to get better at running said system, I do think Brandon Staley would do better at running this system than what we've seen from Joe Barry. And again, I'm not saying that I want to go in that direction, but we have reached a point already expeditiously for a team that was having very little expectations, the expectations are now real. And this is a team that has championship aspirations almost out of nowhere. And if you want to have that, you need a top 10 defense. You are it's so unlikely in the NFL that you are winning a championship without a top 10 defense period. End of story. And Joe Barry in seven stints as defensive coordinator, seven different years with three different franchises, um, seven different rosters has never put a top 15 defense together, regardless of team, regardless of like at some point, at some point, you as a coordinator, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, whoever's calling the place, just has to put together a season that says we can be a top defense. And going into 2024, just expecting that Joe Barry is going to be that guy, that he just has the ability to put together that type of season is foolhardy. It It probably was not going to happen. He he has been given multiple chances and opportunities to prove that he could be that guy again in seven different seasons with three different teams, and he never has. And that to me is damning enough that even if you did like the last four games of the season defensively, the defense hasn't improved enough in three seasons in Green Bay as defensive coordinator that you could just sit and stay status quo and feel like everything was good. And as I know, I think it's been Paul Brettel and Justice and, and I and multiple people have talked about, there is a difference now between this defensive coordinator job when Green Bay was sitting at two and five and this defensive coordinator job now. At two and five, with Matt coming off potential back-to-back losing seasons, with Aaron Rodgers gone, not sure what you you have in Jordan Love, You're you're not sure if you're going to be able to go out and get a top-tier coaching candidate for that particular position. And that, then you have to have a real conversation of do you just maybe keep things the same? Now, facing uh, uh, you know having a team that's a championship caliber team with a quarterback that looks like it's going to be you know a, a top tier quarterback moving forward, this is a very great job from a defensive coordinator standpoint. And there's just too many really good candidates out there for Green Bay to consider to not go in this direction. And Matt Lafleur said it himself. The expectations have changed and everyone has to go out this off season and get better. Everyone has to go out and get better. And the expectation, he said it, was that when they come back and when they get together for their rookie mini camps and mini camps and OTAs, when everyone comes back in those doors, his expectation is that everyone is better. And for Matt and the organization and the coaching staff to be better, this was the move that needed to be made. I don't know of anything statistically, analytically, or just any way that you can look at and be like, you know, I don't think this was the right move. I think that they should have gone in a different direction. I think they should have kept Joe Barry. I think I don't I don't know what argument there is to possibly be made. I do not believe that, and again, this is no disrespect to Joe. I do not believe that he is going to be a sought after defensive coordinator on the market. I do think he's going to be a sought after linebackers coach. I do very much think that, but I don't think he's going to be a sought after defensive coordinator on the market. And meanwhile, there are multiple sought after defensive coordinators on the market. So I will go over some of those candidates with you guys in just a moment. Um, so, yeah, I, I, this is going to be a really big moment for this Packers you know, season and you know, whether or not they're able to, you know, find the right defensive coordinator to lead this defense moving forward is going to be arguably the biggest decision that they will make in the entire offseason. So this this will be interesting, and we'll go through the candidates here in just a moment. And I'm just reminding myself of two candidates. I want to make sure I add to the list here. Um, but yeah, th- this was necessary. It was important. It was the right move. I don't know of anyone that can argue it any other way. And yeah, let's let's look at some of those candidates, because I think that's, that's the ones uh, to look at. Uh, and what where Green Bay could potentially go here. So these are not in any particular order. This, A majority of this list is from uh, a podcast that I did, I don't know, maybe like a month ago when I put together a list of 20 candidates. So let's just kind of go through these one-on-one. And then after I'm done with this, we'll go over some questions and some super chats and things like that. So again, not in any particular order. And I'm not necessarily saying that any of these are great choices um, or like that all of them are. I'm just saying, I think this is probably the list of candidates that Green Bay is going to have to go through and define as to whether or not that they will you know, be able to, to get these guys and which one will ultimately be the right fit. Um, I do not believe, let me just take one name off the list. I have zero belief whatsoever that Bill Belichick wants to be a defensive coordinator in Green Bay, Wisconsin to end his career. So if anyone's on the, hey, let's just go get Bill Belichick, I don't think there's a check big enough that you could write, um, or at least that Green Bay would be willing to write that, would be willing, it would be able to get Bill Belichick as defensive coordinator in Green Bay to team with Matt LaFleur. I will be happily surprised if I am wrong on that, but I don't think there's, I think there's 0.0% chance of that happening and even less if there could be. Uh, all right. So here's the list. Number number one, again, not in order. Jim Leonard, uh, currently a senior football assistant for the university of Illinois, former defensive coordinator and head coach at the university of Wisconsin. And most notably the defensive coordinator that they offered the job to when Joe Barry took the job and Leonard declined it, um, the finalists in that situation were uh, Ejiro Evero, Jim Leonard, and Joe Barry. And Leonard declined per all reports, and then it was between Evero and Barry. And unfortunately, it seems like Matt chosen correctly, uh, but they went with Joe Barry. Jim Leonard, I know, will like some people will immediately point to a few things. One. Why are people stuck on Joe Barry? He was just a senior or sorry, stuck on uh, Jim letter. He was just a senior assistant at the university of Illinois. He got, you know, green or Wisconsin did not keep him as a head coach. He runs a Mike Patton style of system. S- like the, the latter part of that is semi-true. He does have a Mike Patton sort of lineage, but he also has a Rex Ryan influence that he played under Rex Ryan. He has an aggressive style of defense He's going to let his corners play man. He's going to keep his corners on an island on the outside. He's going to be more aggressive. Um, it, it definitely has an analytical approach to it as well. And it's, again, very noteworthy that Green Bay did offer him the position last time, that they felt very highly of him. Now, I don't know that since that time peri- period that Jim Leonard's resume has is is, is like necessarily gotten better, but I do think he's still a name very much to keep an eye on. And when I talked to Justice Mosqueda, who talked to those, uh, to some people uh, within coaching circles, they thought that Jim Leonard would be one of the more attractive defensive coordinator uh, coaches on the market. So I do think that his name is certainly A, worth bringing up, and B, is definitely within the list of possibilities. And if Leonard were interested in Green Bay I I think you at least have that conversation again. Listen, if you offered him the job last time. And, you know, I, it's understandable why he didn't want to take it last time. The reason he didn't want to take it is because he thought he was going to be the ultimate long-term, you know, decade-long-plus coach in Wisconsin. It just didn't work out that way. But I still think that his mix of his play in the NFL, his learning under Rex Ryan and Mike Patton and other defensive minds as well, and then, um, you know, being a phenomenal defensive coordinator in college and a, a, having some head coaching experience, I think that's a important trait. And one thing I'll just mention as well, and why this decision was so important is Matt had to get involved in the defense and that, that cannot happen. And the reason I say it's, it's not that it can't happen in like a, a necessary moment. That's fine. However, Matt is building an offense that has the potential to be a juggernaut moving forward. And he needs all eyes on the offense so that Jordan love and those young wide receivers and tight ends, and everyone can stay focused and meet their goals offensively if he has to constantly be in the defensive meeting rooms and fixing the mistakes that are going on there, he can't give his full attention to the offense. Now as a head coach, he needs to have eyes on the defense in some capacity, no question, but what he wants in this position is a defensive coordinator who can take over and just take this job and say, Hey, I I have full autonomy. I'm going to own it. You can go spend all the time that you want on the offense. I've got the defensive coordinator position, and this is exactly what I'm going to do. And just let it be. So I think Jim Leonard could come in, especially with his previous coaching experience, defensive uh, coordinator experience. I think he can come in and take it over, have full autonomy, and you can not worry about it. And you can go about your business as the offensive mind. So Jim Leonard, definitely on the list. Number two, uh, same list from last time, Ejiro Evero. We've talked about this a little bit. Now, he is the Panthers defensive coordinator. This is something that you know will have to get sorted out. If the, the, the like Evero could be in a position, one where he gets a head coaching job somewhere. He has had head coaching interviews. I believe Atlanta is one of those. I think Carolina is one of those, uh, but I think he's had some other interviews as well. So he could just get a head coaching job. If he does not uh, get a head coaching job, he could have a similar position as to Mike Pettin did when Mike Pettin, uh you know, stayed in as defensive coordinator when Matt LaFleur got the head coaching job meaning he's under contract as defensive coordinator in Carolina. They could hire a head coach and the head coach would say, I just want to keep Evero as my defensive coordinator, in which case Green Bay would have no opportunity to get him. If uh, right now with there being a lame duck status as head coach, they don't know who the head coach is going to be. um, If they do decide, you know, that Evero can go and look at defensive coordinator spots, then great. Or the head coach might come in and say, Hey, I want to hire my own defensive coordinator and go in a different direction. And then he gets termed and available that's another option as well, but similar scheme to what, you know, Green Bay runs now, but he's done a much better job of it. Uh, and he's again, super analytical coach. I think he's a little bit more aggressive than what Joe Barry has has been. And Matt LaFleur has mentioned on numerous occasions that he has a ton of confidence and, and respect for Evero. And once again, was the finalist for the job the last time it was open. If he becomes available, I think he's definitely probably on the, the short list again this time. The one question people would have, I think is, well, what if he becomes the defensive coordinator in Green Bay for this season? And then next year he gets a head coaching job. Are you just set behind? I think there is some concern. I think he is a future head coach in this league. I will say two things. One, if he will get a future head coaching job, that probably means he did a great job in Green Bay. And I'll take him doing a great job in Green Bay and getting a head coaching job this season and then try to fill his spot again next year. Uh, Number two, um, if he does leave, you would get a third round pick in compensation. And I'm not saying that's the reason to hire him. That's the, that's dumb. That's silly. That's not what I'm saying at all, but I am saying it would lessen the blow uh, that because he would leave for another job, a head coaching job, that at least you would, again, that means he had a good season and you're getting a third pick in return. So it doesn't bother me as much that he could get a head coaching job moving forward and maybe leave you after one season. It's something you have to consider, but I think there are at least contingencies there. If he does end up doing that. Number three on my list, Mike Zimmer, former Minnesota Vikings head coach and defensive coordinator uh, for the Bengals. This is a very smart defensive mind. A lot of what Zimmer did as a defensive mind in Minnesota is very in vogue in the moment. A lot of double A gap blitzes, super aggressive. He's extremely well-versed in you know so many different defensive calls, strategies, schemes, systems, obviously a very bright NFL mind as experience in the NFC North there were a few to say the least shaky and cold uh handshake moments at the end of games between Matt LaFleur and Mike Zimmer as to whether or not they would actually go in that direction um i don't know i don't know if that you know their their coaching uh you know rivalry just is was too strong to to be able to make that move but i do think that he would bring a ton of experience and you know, not too dissimilar to, you know, what you have in Rich Passaccia. I know Rich Passaccia stuff hasn't worked out great, but not too dissimilar to Rich Passaccia where you have this experienced coach that has like literal head coaching experience that you can just say, all right, Rich, you, you've got the special teams through and through. Mike, you've got the defense through and through. You're the head coach of the defense. Rich, you're the head coach of the special teams and Mike's, uh, or sorry, Matt's the head coach of the offense and obviously the team as a whole, but that, Again, if you want full autonomy of the offense and you can just let the defense be, Mike Zimmer certainly would be someone, again, he knows the division extremely well. Uh, Defensive coordinator for the Falcons in 2007, Bengals in 2008 and 2013. And then of course the Vikings head coach from 2014 to 2021. So a ton of experience there. I'll probably go through the rest of these a little bit more lightning round style, but uh, Brandon Staley, former head coach of the Chargers. uh, Now his defenses with the Chargers were abysmal. He did have, a great stint as defensive coordinator for the Rams, but he also had Jalen Ramsey and specifically Aaron Donald during those stints as well. A lot of times when you've got just stars that make things look easy, a lot of times they can kind of cover for some flaws. He even had good talent with the chargers on defense, Derwin James, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack amongst others. And that defense sucked, like was really, really bad. I do think as honed in a little bit more as a defensive coordinator, he could make, uh, he, he could be better specifically focused on the defense would not be the direction that I necessarily want them to go in. I think there's some concerns that I would have there beyond analytically driven. Like he will look at everything from an analytical standpoint, but, uh, but definitely within the realm of possibility on that list. I initially had Dennis Allen on the list. He is obviously staying as head coach of the new Orleans saints. I initially had Matt Eberflus on the list. He is of course staying on as head coach of the bears, Initially had Antonio Pierce on the list. He is staying as head coach of the Raiders. Initially had Gerard Mayo on the list. He is now the head coach of the Patriots. And that brings me to my next one, which is Al Harris. Now, Al Harris is an interesting one. Defensive backs coach for the Cowboys. He has gone on the record as to saying, like he's less concerned about scheme and those sort of things. And it's just his focus and job and goal is to get the corners playing the best technique that they can possibly play. Now, a technique driven mind, like, um, a technique driven coach who is going to bring a aggressive culture to the team. And I think set a great culture for the defense, not necessarily a bad thing. However, you are taking a bit of a leap of faith in a defensive coach who focuses on technique and has never been a defensive coordinator has never put together a playbook has never called plays. If your defensive, you know, aspirations are a top 10 defense in a super bowl caliber team, To bring in a guy who, again, is more technically driven and culture driven than scheme driven and playbook and play calling driven, I'm not saying that that all is a bad thing. I'm just saying there's a little bit of a leap of faith there, and you're really going to have to vet it out in an interview with Al Harris as to whether or not he has the playbook that you want and knows how to call plays the way that you want and can handle all of that as a first-time ever defensive coordinator. Certainly would be somebody worth bringing in for an interview and would be excited if that was the direction that they decided to go in. But that would definitely be something that I think you would have to consider and at least bring him in and have a discussion. I just don't know if he's quite ready to be a defensive coordinator, but heck bring him in next on my list was Rex Ryan. Now I don't see this happening. We have seen these ultra aggressive blitzing schemes become more popular in the NFL and Rex Ryan. What was he known for besides a couple of off field things, uh, he was known for being super aggressive, ultra aggressive, crazy blitz schemes, harebrained schemes, whatever you want to call them. I don't see the Matt LaFleur, Rex Ryan marriage. It it seems like an odd couple. It definitely is like two extremes on the opposite side. But man, if you want a culture change, you want to ultra aggressive defense, you could certainly look in that direction and he knows a ton about defenses. It, I mean, he's got the the tutelage, the lineage in his family, and that is something that he, at least you could look at. Again, I don't necessarily feel like Rex Ryan is is has Packers written all over him. It just seems like a very odd fit, but stranger things have certainly happened. Number 11, Marquand Manuel, the Jet Safeties coach. He has gotten some looks as potential defensive coordinators. He is a rising name on the coaching scheme uh, scene. Of course, he's been... With the Packers previously as a safety, that stint did not go super great for him, but um, he could easily come highly recommended from Robert Sala. This Jets defense was amazing last year, so that's another name that you could possibly look at, and he would also, I think, help rebuild the secondary that is in sore need of rebuilding, so that's another option. Jesse Minter, Michigan defensive coordinator. This might be a little bit tough if Jim Harbaugh gets the head coaching job with the Chargers, which it seems like is going to happen, and Mentor might just get the head coaching job in Michigan, which in, in that case, it's just a, it's a non-starter. The conversation is not happening. But if Minter, if Harbaugh would leave and Minter gets passed over for the head coaching job for some reason, then I think there's a legitimate chance that he's like, all right, screwed. I'm out of here. I'm going to go take a defensive coordinator job somewhere else. Um, and he would have the ability to do so with the Green Bay Packers. And I think if he is available and he doesn't get the coaching job in Michigan, would have to be a name that you would consider. And while he doesn't have a ton of NFL experience, he was the Ravens defensive backs coach in 2020. And I think that would be uh, at least enough to give him a little bit of that. And obviously he's put together a tremendous defense at Michigan. Number 13, a name that I saw on uh, the, the chat here from numerous people. And that is Wink Martindale, super aggressive coach, super, super aggressive coach did really well in New York did really well in Baltimore before that he has, uh, seemingly, you know, I don't want to say like overstayed his welcome, but, um, worn out his welcome where he's been in his last couple stints, where it was like, almost like both sides were fine with moving on. I do think Wink wants a certain level of autonomy and I, but I also think that Matt's willing to give that to him. And this is a, again, an ultra aggressive style of defense. He's really smart. He's been around for a while. He's put together multiple top defenses and he is available. This would be someone that, in my opinion, you would at minimum have to interview if uh if if he, you know, if obviously it's available and he's available. So at minimum, I think you should probably bring him in for an interview. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet, do you want to play alongside some of Prize Pick's favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. I've had so much fun making prize picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense.
0: Just go to indeed.com/slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Next is Chris Hewitt, Raven's secondary coach and passing game coordinator. Listen, all of these Ravens coordinators are like defensive assistants are extremely Popular at the moment because this Ravens defense is playing out of their damn mind. Um, he played Chris Hewitt played with the Saints from 97 and 99. He's been a Ravens coach since 2012. This is another one that you would need to vet the playbook, the play calling, et cetera. But he's a top defensive assistant on one of the top defenses in the NFL. Of course, Mike McDonald's doing a tremendous job there, and he would potentially be a very popular name as well. Chris Harris. Titans cornerbacks coach and passing game coordinator, not the slot corner that has actually been on this podcast before. Uh, Chris Harris has been coaching since 2013 under Mike Vrabel and John Fox played for uh, seven years in the NFL. Titans defense has been mostly middle of the road. He's interviewed for defensive coordinator jobs in the past, and he's thought of as a rising coach. That's another possibility. Aubrey Pleasant, Rams defensive backs coach and passing game coordinator, was the Packers offensive consultant in 2022. They brought him in as a defensive-minded coach that could help the offense with some potential schemes and how to scheme against certain defenses, was the Lions defensive backs coach and passing game coordinator in 21 and 22, although was fired mid-season by the Lions. Again, does have a little bit of that Packers connection there. Probably not the most inspiring hire, but definitely could be on the list as well. One that I really, really like, is Anthony Weaver associate head coach and defensive lines coach for the Ravens was the Texans defensive coordinator in 2020. So he does have some experience has been a coach since 2012 runs that Ravens defensive scheme coached under both Rex Ryan and Wink Martindale and would expect a very attacking and similar defense to what the Ravens are running right now. You've got Leslie Frazier, former Vikings head coach bills defensive coordinator from 2017 to 2022, although he was fired from that position he uh, or I shouldn't say they didn't retain him going into 2023. He was not fired, but they didn't retain him. But has been a coach under Marvin Lewis, Tony Dungy and Sean McDermott. A lot of zone and cover two influences. Um, could be rejuvenated with a offseason off and not coaching last year. Knows the NFC North, so that's a possibility. Uh Patrick Graham was on my list initially. The Raiders, uh, excuse me, yeah, Raiders defensive coordinator with them keeping Antonio Pierce. I expect them just to keep Patrick Graham. So he's probably a name off the list. The next was Dave Aranda. The Baylor head coach, it's a tough sell to get a head coach of Baylor to come be a defensive coordinator in Green Bay. I don't see that happening, but things have not gone great for Aranda and Baylor, and he's probably in a must win season right now. So he could theoretically probably get a little bit more job security by coming to Green Bay. One of the issues with Aranda is he's never had any NFL coaching experience. He's been a defensive coordinator at Hawaii, Utah State, Wisconsin, and LSU but has never, ever coached in the NFL in any capacity. Probably better as a defensive coordinator than a head coach, which is fine for Green Bay. Wisconsin's defense in 2015 was the second best in the nation. In 2016, he had the fifth best defense with LSU. Um, But again, no NFL experience whatsoever. Two more. Uh, I don't think this is going to happen. I don't think he's going to become available. But if Sean McDermott were to come available, I think you'd, uh, you'd very much be interested in bringing him in The head coaching stint in Buffalo has has gone well, but obviously hasn't gotten over the hump. But as a defensive mind, he's he's really bright. He's arguably a genius. And I think he would be the perfect guy to pair with Matt LaFleur and just have him take over the defense. So that would definitely be a name to keep an eye on. And then um, the other one, of course, is Mike Vrabel. It seems like Mike Vrabel will get a head coaching job. Even if he doesn't, it feels like it would be a one-year stint in Green Bay before he would get a head coaching job next year. Again, there's worse things that could happen, but um, it, it doesn't feel like you would necessarily just come and take a defensive coordinator job. But all, if all these coaching jobs all of a sudden get filled, and Mike Vrabel is left without a job and he wants to coach this year, it's also not an impossibility. So I don't put it quite in that like Belichick era, uh, you know, area of like it's just not going to happen. And of course, Matt coached under Mike Vrabel, so they have a connection there. They, they coached together in, in Tennessee. I think he probably just gets a head coaching job somewhere, but those jobs are kind of getting fewer and fewer, especially as Harbaugh likely gets that Chargers job today. Um, I don't know. That's It's an interesting conversation to have, but he'd be a really great defensive coordinator hire. I just don't know how long you would get him for. So that's that's the list that I have. I'll just go through it one more time because I know some of you are getting here late. No, I do not believe that Bill Belichick is on the list, but the list, Jim Leonard, Jiro Evero, Mike Zimmer, Brandon Staley, uh, Al Harris, Rex Ryan, Marquand Manuel, Jesse Minter, Wink Martindale, Chris Hewitt, Chris Harris, Aubrey Pleasant, uh, Anthony Weaver, Leslie Frazier, Dave Aranda, Sean McDermott, if he becomes available, and Mike Vrabel. That is the list. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm watching your the chats, and I see a lot of Wink Martindale, Mike Vrabel, uh, some love for him there. Um, I don't. Jesse Corbin asked, "What about Jerry Gray?" It felt, like, it felt like Jerry Gray moving on to a different position almost felt mutual at the time. So I do not believe that Jerry Gray is on that list, um, but it's not impossible either. Maybe they, it, it felt more like Joe Barry and Jerry Gray didn't see eye to eye. And that's sort of like they both sides realized they needed to go in a different direction. Well, now that Joe Barry is gone, um, maybe I, I, to me, that, that would be one of the most least inspiring hires. I was not super thrilled with, how he did as defensive backs coach in Green Bay, if I'm being honest. So, and I don't think he was a great defensive coordinator before that. So, and I did not put uh, Jerry, Jerry Gray on the list, but uh, I don't know if you want him. Sure. Like he, that you could bring him in for an interview. Just don't see that. Uh, let's get to some super chats really quick. Uh, what if Matt, Matt just can't pick them. I, I think what you mean here, Juan, is like his, his resume of selecting coordinators has not exactly stood out. Um, you know, you've got, this the, he's on his third special teams coordinator. The last two, including moderate and have been an unmitigated nightmare. And for, um, you know, for rich Bissashi, it, it hasn't exactly gone to plan so far for defensive coordinator. I think he was shotgunned into Mike Petton a little bit, but, and, and I think he probably felt pressure of like, if I say I want to go in a different direction, uh maybe they're just not going to give me the head coaching job. So I think that probably was just the calculus there. And when I don't know, it probably the right move at the time. And I think we all have to remember, I think everyone was excited that Joe, uh, excuse me, that Mike Patton was being kept at the time. It just didn't work out. But then he selects Joe Barry, which has been an unmitigated nightmare. Offensive coordinator, Hackett's an interesting look back. It, and it's what's really hard with the offensive coordinators is to say what they even did in Green Bay in the Hackett era. It was already like Matt LaFleur and, and Aaron Rodgers were at this sort of constant, like like back and forth of trying to like figure out whose offense they were going to run. And it I, who knows, like did the offensive coordinator even get much say between those two? Because Matt was trying to get as much of his stuff in. Aaron was trying to get as much of his stuff in. Like who knows how much Hackett even had to do. And even once Aaron was gone and it's been, um yeah, obviously Stenovich, like, I, I can't look you in the eye and tell you this is what Stenovich has done well, or this is what Stenovich has not done well. It's Matt's offense. He's the play caller. I'm sure Steno's done good things. I'm sure he's helped out the offensive line room, but I can't tell you. And obviously Hackett's gone on to have a miserable experience since leaving Green Bay. His Denver stint went awful. His offensive coordinator job now partially due to having Zach Wilson and uh, friends at quarterback this past year, but it did not go well last year. So yeah, his coordinator hires has been arguably one of the weakest parts of his coaching tenure so far. And that's what makes this defensive coordinator hire So insanely important for him. The other thing too, is like he's starting to pile up names at his coordinator position. He couldn't do anything about not leaving and taking a head coaching job, but this will, he's got two offensive coordinators. This will be his third defensive coordinator. And he's already on his third special teams coordinator. He's got eight different coordinators. Like I know he's what this is going into his sixth year, but that's a lot of coordinators. To the point where like, if you just keep firing these dudes, like less and less coaches are going to want to come here because it's just going to be like, oh, things don't go well and you're just going to fire the coordinator. Now, he gave Joe Barry three seasons, not get left on his own volition. Steno's not going anywhere unless he gets a head coaching job or maybe an offensive coordinator job with play calling duties. So, you know, I don't know how big of an issue it is, but like he definitely needs to get this one right. And yeah, he, his track record so far has not been great at hiring him. So this is a huge opportunity for him. Uh, Green Bay is a good option for coaches and free agents now. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, what team is not going to, or what player and coach is not going to want to come to this team when they just put together this awesome season as the youngest team in football, the future is incredibly bright. Matt's clearly not going anywhere. So you're not, you don't have this lame duck head coaching, you know, sort of position. I think Matt could, Matt could probably go like four and 13 this year. And I don't think he's getting fired. Um, and that's, I'd certainly not within the cards unless there's a catastrophic injury or a set of huge injuries. So you, you you come into a position where you feel like you're going to have a safety net again, Matt's probably not going to be able to just fire someone after a couple of years just because of the list of names he's already gone through. So I think it's a, for a variety of different reasons, I think it's a huge, uh, not maybe still not a vacation destination in green Bay, but certainly a coaching destination right now. Free agency, we'll see. Uh, you know, Green Bay's not going to have a ton of cash to spend from a free agency standpoint, but yeah, this is a team where people are going to want to be, no question about it. Darcy, thanks so much for the super chat. This news was leaked as front office affirmed or denied. is the, In the communication biz, a leak like this is a big fumble. Just wow. Two, can you discuss the pros and cons of hiring Al Harris? Thanks. Um, we went over Al Harris already. I'll go over it a little bit more. I don't have any concern about this being leaked. Um, I did want to take a look really quick if there's like been anything else that's uh, come out during well I've been on this, but like this is like Rappaport and Schefter and and these sort of guys. So no, I have no issue with that um whatsoever. I, I don't think that there's any big tell um here that like oh there's a there's a mole within the organization that's leaking this stuff out. So I, I don't have I don't have any issue with that. Uh and this is a pretty con you know common practice within the NFL of when something's gonna happen that it gets put out there. It could have easily happened by Joe Barry's agent uh, that he's available. Who knows? Just Who knows at this point? Uh, But I have no concern there. As far as pros, cons of hiring Al Harris, I think the pros is that he's very technically driven. As we mentioned, he cares about how you go about doing your business and getting better every day at the technical side of things. For those of you who have enjoyed my chats with Mike Wall and how he always talks about, like, listen, it is the process It is getting better on the technical aspect of the game. Everyone has the same play calls and scheme. Like it's, it's it's slight variations of one another, but if you can actually teach the players how to do their job better, you're going to be one of the best teams in the NFL for that. And I think Al Harris can bring that to the table. I think he can teach, especially the secondary, how to just do a better job being players and like a lot of focus on the technical side of things. I think he's going to bring an energy and a passion Uh, to the table as well. If you were to go in that direction, I think he's going to get people fired up. I think there'd be a great energy in the building. I think there's a lot of positives with that. I think you would set a huge, like an awesome culture in green Bay. I think the two things that you'd have to worry about, as I mentioned earlier are he's never been a coordinator. He does focus more on the technical side, less on the scheme side. He'd have to put together a scheme. He has to know how to sort of stack plays together. I don't know that he's the most analytically driven coach in the world, like, I think there's things that you just have to vet out in an interview. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying like, there's certain things he hasn't done, put together a playbook, call the game. And if you have a, a defense that you have aspirations of being a top 10 defense and wanting to, you know, really take this league by storm. Um, have you like, we just went through this to some extent with the Milwaukee Bucks of like them hiring a, a coach that wasn't ready for that moment. And they had to fire him yesterday. Um, I'm not saying that that would happen with uh, Al Harris, but I do think it just needs to be vetted out in the interview process. But if you told me that they did that and they went through the process and he was their guy, I mean, it's hard not to be excited. Obviously knows green Bay knows the NFC North has done a great job as a defensive backs coach in Dallas. My last thing I'll say is Joe Barry's a perfect example of someone who is a phenomenal position coach, but that doesn't necessarily make you a great coordinator. He might be the best defensive backs coach in the NFL period. But just because he's a phenomenal best in the world defensive backs coach doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a good, great, or even okay defensive coordinator. It just means he's still an awesome defensive backs coach. And, you know, like like Joe Barry, phenomenal linebackers coach, not good defensive coordinator. And, you know, we'll see. I would prefer probably someone with a little bit more experience, but again, if they go through the process, they vet it out and they believe that he's the guy, you certainly, I'm going to be excited for it. And I'm going to, I'm going to be really interested to see what he can bring to the table as defensive coordinator. WM. Thanks for the chat. Go and make Flores the highest paid defensive coordinator in history. He's under contract, my friend, Uh so that you can't just woo him over with money. Uh You couldn't even woo him over with defensive coordinator plus assistant head coach. Uh Unless you give him a head coaching opportunity, uh, he cannot like Minnesota would just say, no, you can't interview him. So you know, he's, he's the Vikings defensive coordinator. Uh, He will not be a name that is on the list, uh, unfortunately. Vex, when was the last non-quarterback grade you gave that was as low as Savage versus the 49ers? Just a brutal game by him. Uh, Obviously a different direction here in the conversation, but my lowest grade prior to Darnell Savage's grade this week on defense was Kevin King in the NFC Championship in 2020. That was my lowest grade on defense prior to Savage this week. And just really quick, I'll have a, a quick conversation. I'll talk about this later this week. Obviously, the huge missed tackle on Christian McCaffrey and the hole was a huge part of that grade, just a massive part of it. Um, that's a 39 yard touchdown that should have been an eight yard gain in an NFC divisional round game. He allowed four completions on the day, um, was brutal for the vast majority of the day. And then, of course, dropped the interception. And I know somebody on Twitter yesterday, in fact, I think it was a couple people, are like, well, Yeah, the the dropped interception was bad, but it was still a net positive play. It's a pass breakup. You know, like, it's it's still, no. Not in this case. His play against Dallas was a great play, meaning he read the quarterback's eyes, left his man, jumped another route, and then broke on the ball. If he drops that one, it sucks and it's disappointing and it still takes points off the board, and it's certainly, you know, we could have the conversation, positive, negative, whatever, but he did a tremendous job of just putting himself in that position. And even though if he would have dropped that one, it was still an incredible play by him in this situation. He's just chilling and his spot in his, his half of the field at deep safety and he barely moves and Brock Purdy just throws him the most routine pass that you would throw to your son, you know, son or kid or daughter in the backyard and they would probably have caught it. He's just sitting there, it's there, and it's either a pick six or a huge return that sets the offense up in premium position. He did nothing to put himself in that position and instead just dropped the most routine would-be pick in the world. And to me, that is a net negative. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh, scared me. I'm sure that was, that'll was that be a fun gift. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that to me um, is why that's a negative grade is because he was set up uh, – in perfect spot. He did nothing to get there. And instead he just dropped a golden opportunity to change the game and probably just, I'm not saying win the game right there, it would have been a challenge still the rest of the way, but it certainly affects the rest of the game moving forward. So that to me is why that was such a negative grade because he was in position, didn't have to move or do anything aggressive and just dropped a, um, dropped a huge opportunity at it. To me, to me, just last thing on that, that's a turnover. That's akin to a fumble on offense, an interception on offense. You should have the ball, and now you don't have the ball. He turned the ball over. They gave him the football. They said, Here, take this. We want you to return this for a touchdown. And he said, Nah, I'm good. And it just fell harmlessly to the ground instead. That is a turnover by Darnell Savage. And that's why it grades as a negative in that situation. Ian, the defense would thrive in a 4-3 baseman scheme with Quay as a Sam linebacker. Zimmer would use him like an Anthony Barr type blitz linebacker. I've said this over and over, and I'll say it here again. I do not care if it's 4-3 or 3-4. You are using base defense on a bare minimum amount of plays in the NFL. Nickel is your scheme. Nickel is everyone's scheme. You are going to have two off-ball linebackers on the field 85% of the time. And even when you don't, a lot of times it's one off-ball linebacker on the field. It's not three. You are going to have four pass rushers on the field in some capacity, like 85% of the time. The The question here for the most part is, do you want your two edge players standing up? And this is obviously somewhat of an oversimplification, but do you want your two edge players standing up or do you want their hands in the dirt? I don't care. You're going to have two off-ball linebackers, two edge rushers, two interior defenders, and that's going to be your lineup in a 3-4 or a 4-3 because you're a nickel 99% of the time. So I don't care if, if it's a 4-3 or a 3-4. I just really, really don't. That, sh- that to me does not go in the calculus as all, at all. The great news, I think, for Green Bay is if you did have a defensive coordinator that came in and said, we want to have our two you know, edge players play defensive end, hand in the dirt. Rashawn Gary can do that. Might be better at it, quite frankly. LVN can do that. Might be better at it, quite frankly. Um Enigbari becomes a little bit more of a question mark. Uh, Bretton Cox can do that. He can play that position. And I think Preston Smith can as well. So I don't see it being a huge issue if that's if they want their um, edge player to put their hand in the dirt. I don't think you have to do like, well, we've run this specific scheme for a while, so we need to do the same thing. I don't think so. I think they have the versatility. But Quay's going to be an off-ball linebacker. Your edge rushers are going to be edge rushers. All your interior defensive linemen are going to stay interior defensive linemen. It's all the same stuff. It's just a slight variance in how you do it. So 4-3, 3-4 does not matter to me. They just don't play enough base for it to really even become a part of the conversation. Uh, Michael, Andy, did you see Jair's Instagram post? Is he out? I did. Guys, this is a cryptic season by like, I don't know, every player in the NFL. It felt to me like he was just being thankful for this past season in the NFL. I did not take it as a goodbye to Green Bay it is it definitely reads in that tone i get it i understand it i'm not saying people are crazy to like think it based on his uh tone but uh he's going to be back in green bay he's under contract he's got a huge deal it's tough to tra- like unless there's like something super cancerous about him being in the locker room um and it's just toxic they're not going to trade him so and he's not retiring i certainly don't think he's retiring and stepping away from all that money now he's an interesting dude so like weirder things have happened in the nfl but I he's just gonna be back, is my opinion. Jordan, what about Vrabel if he gets passed up for the head coaching job? Yep, we talked about that a little bit. Uh, you would have to have some concern as to whether or not it's just a one year stint because he probably gets a head coaching job next year if he doesn't this year. But I don't know, hire him and then figure that figure it out next year. I'm not I'm totally fine with that, to be honest. So if you can get him and he's available and he wants to be defensive coordinator here, just make it happen and then you figure out the rest later. Uh, How about the Chargers ex-coach? Yeah, Brandon Staley, we talked about him as well. Super analytically driven. Definitely would be a name on the list as the connection with Matt LaFleur would not be my particular cup of tea. Uh, Just his defense was so freaking bad with the Chargers. So, 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 so bad. Now, could he be better just focusing on defense? I know a lot of smart minds in the NFL that think that is the case, that just focused on defense solely, um, that he could absolutely be a better defensive coach. He was a great defensive coach at the Rams, albeit with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. That makes things a little bit easier when you're a defensive coordinator, but his name easily could be on the list. He easily could be the hire, just not necessarily what I would do in this situation. Vex, why give Matt LaFleur his flowers for firing Barry when he hired Barry in the first place? It was absolutely an inexcusable hire. I don't know that anyone's like giving Matt LaFleur like a ton of credit for, I think that everyone's happy that he made the move. And I think they're, I don't know about giving him his flowers, but they're, they're understandably happy that he got to this decision that he did. So I don't know that it's like crown him, like be like he's the greatest in the world because he fired the guy that he hired incorrectly. I don't think anyone's necessarily doing that. I think they're just happy that he did it. I think that's where it's at. Um, I think Matt LaFleur can get his flowers for a variety of other things that he has done and deservedly. So But this felt more like low-hanging fruit and the obvious decision, even if I think it was probably a hard decision for Matt. I guess it it can't be that hard. It's Wednesday morning. The season just ended on Saturday, and Joe's gone. He didn't exactly take a lot of time to deliberate here, but he made the right move. And to some extent, you do get credit for making the right move. Um, He made the wrong one going with him, especially just when the finalist was him and Evero. Evero was the right choice, especially in hindsight. Looked like it at the time. But um, yeah, I, I don't think anyone's being like, this is the greatest move and he deserves so much credit. It was just, it was the obvious move. He made it and people are happy that he made it. Wesley thoughts of signing Micah Hyde back in free agency. Um, I, I mean, I'm certainly fine with it. He'd be a great leader in the secondary would bring a, certainly a, a ball ha- hawking um, skill to the defense. I don't know that he necessarily fits the timeline, but I don't hate having like an extra veteran on the back end either. If, if the price is right and Green Bay felt he could fit and he fits whatever scheme that the new defensive coordinator would bring in. Sure. If somehow Sean McDermott got fired and they brought him in as defensive coordinator, then it could even make more sense. Um, just like kind of rich brought in a Dallin Levitt and, uh, a Keyshawn Nixon and some guys that knew his system from the Raiders, uh, whatever defensive coordinator comes in, maybe bringing in a guy or two that knows that system that can help some of the other players would make sense. Uh, but yeah, I, I certainly within the realm of possibility price is probably the big thing there. Joshua, can you level with me here? Does a defensive coordinator make a real difference compared to an offensive coordinator play caller defensive coordinators basically pick a scheme and that's it. Players are what we need. This doesn't move the needle. Uh, Josh, there's part of what you're saying. That's true that players are what the Packers need. If you, if the question is, if the question is what's more important to the Packers this season, their new defensive coordinator, or all of the free agent money and draft picks that they're going to spend on defense, I would probably rather them get the players. Right. I agree with you to some extent, but defensive coordinator absolutely matters the scheme they install the aggressiveness in which you play with um, and how you best utilize those players on your roster all go into that. It's the same thing. Like, look at Matt, what Matt did as an offensive coordinator for Jordan, those or sorry for Aaron, those first couple of years where he was really becoming stagnant. And then he wins, you know, he in 2020 or 2019, they have a great year and then he wins two back-to-back MVPs and sets up an offense for Aaron that he can go out and have tremendous success in that mattered. Um, same thing for the, the offense that Matt put together for Jordan this year, that mattered. Like you have to blend players and coaches. And by the way, this is on, Goody as well. Like he needs to now, I think do a little bit of a better job of matching the talent that his team needs to what defensive coordinator is coming in. If they want to bring an ultra aggressive approach to defense, that all sounds well and good, but you better have the players that a can get home on a blitz. Green Bay got beat multiple times on aggressive blitzes against San Fran. And partly due to the players up front, not being able to get home with the blitz. So you better a bring in players that are going to be able to get there and b. Players on the back end that can communicate effectively because Anthony Johnson Jr. seems like he's not in the right spot one time when you're blitzing and it leads to a touchdown. And, you know, and other times they're not holding up in coverage in those situations. So it it does, it's super important that you get the right players, but it's super important that you match scheme with the talent that you have on your team. So yes, I absolutely believe defensive coordinator makes a real legitimate difference. And I do believe that this is a huge hire for Green Bay coming up. Maybe Jesse Minner, uh, Michigan offensive coordinator from the Ravens tree. Yep, he was on my list. Again, he might just get the, the Michigan head coaching job. So that could be a problem. Uh, but if he doesn't and he is available, definitely should be a top name on the list. No question about it. All right. Uh, Unreal says coaching matters tremendously. Savage looked like an all-pro under Pettin. Good coaches maximize their player strengths and hide their weaknesses by tweaking schemes based on each team's personnel. Agree with most of that. Don't think he was an all-pro In 2020, he had his best season in 2020 unquestionably and did not play as well under Joe Barry. I think part of that was just Savage too. I just don't think he got better. I think he got worse, but I also think um, he he did fit Patton's scheme better than he fit Barry's scheme. So there is some truth to that as well. I do not think Alexander is going anywhere, John. Uh, No, I don't have any concern about that whatsoever. With the amount of defensive assistance continuity. This feels like a bigger issue. Should we completely purge the defensive staff since we have connections dating back to capers? I think that's going to be the next question defensively is what happens with the rest of this defensive staff. And I haven't seen anything come through as of yet. Um, But yeah, um, we'll see if, if other coaches get let go. My guess is there is some cleaning of the house on defense as a, a total, but they probably wait to hire the defensive coordinator first and then the defensive coordinator decides if there's any assistance that he wants to keep. But in my opinion, that should be the defensive coordinator's job. If Matt wants to give full autonomy to this defensive coordinator that he's hiring and give them complete control of the defense, then he needs to have complete control of who he's hiring and his guys that he feels comfortable with that can coach his specific scheme. So if he wants to come in and keep uh, Olavadotti or keep a Jerry Montgomery, or keep you know, uh, Greg Williams or any of those guys, that's fine. That's that's totally fine. Uh, Ryan Downard, et cetera. That's great. And Matt might speak highly of a couple of those guys and say, hey, I really think that you should keep Ryan Downard. He's a, he's a great defensive whatever. But it should be that defensive coordinator's choice as to who he wants to keep and who he wants to let go. Assuming Matt does want to give that coordinator full autonomy of the defense, if that's what you want, then give him full autonomy of the defense and let him make those decisions
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh
1: Master Assassin says, uh, just got here. I hope we look at Baltimore's assistance. Maybe give Minter a look. And if he's is enjoying Jim at, uh, yeah, at LA. That's the other thing for Minter too, I guess I should have mentioned. Not only... Could he be the Michigan head coach? If Jim Harbaugh gets a coach, he could join as defensive coordinator in that position, which he would probably prefer uh, having that continuity too. So getting Minter in Green Bay might be a a tough ask. Smooterino, sorry if I missed, but Staley, talking heads I like at the Athletics say he's a generational defensive mind, simply got overwhelmed as a head coach with the Chargers. Yeah, we talked about Staley on a couple different occasions. Um, And yes, super analytically driven, very bright defensive mind. Uh, definitely matches what scheme they have already in Green Bay. I think he could run it better than Joe Barry. As I mentioned, not my specific cup of tea. Uh, His defense was terrible in, in LA with the chargers with some really good players. I agree with you that I do believe that he was overwhelmed as a head coach. And listen, some people it's what, what do they call it? The Peter principle. Is that, is that the right one? Where you get uh, elevated to your own level of incompetence. Um, Some, some people get, promoted to a position that they just can't handle. I think Dom Capers, awesome inside linebackers coach, not a good defensive coordinator. He got promoted to a position that he just hasn't been able to handle. We'll go back to being a linebackers coach and probably be phenomenal at it. Uh Brandon Staley looked like he was a really good defensive coordinator, got promoted to head coach and looked like he just was out of his league, could not handle it. It's possible that he goes back to being a defensive coordinator and ends up being great. That's within the realm of possibility. But I do think that his defense in LA brought up enough concerns. And I do think that the fact that he had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey was with the Rams gave him a lot of superpowers that most defensive coordinators aren't going to have at their disposal. So I do think there'd be a lot that you'd have to to kind of figure out there. Uh, somebody posted is, is Dom Caper still available? Absolutely. Go bring him in. Maybe, maybe what you need to do, maybe what you need to do is go get is actually, yes, you let go Joe Barry from defensive coordinator, but keep Joe Barry on staff, go bring in Mike Pettin, go bring in Dom Capers and just triangulate them. And with their powers combined, like Captain Planet, they become the super defensive coordinator, the Pettin, Capers, Barry trio of greatness. Like they just come in and they come together and with their powers combined, uh, it's like Voltron. And you're just unstoppable from that point forward. So I think clearly that's probably the best way to go. I would have thought Barry lasted longer than Adrian Griffin. Uh, it's been a crazy two day, twenty four hour, not even like twelve hours. It was like it was almost at like what? Like I guess it was probably a little bit earlier than that. Yesterday, probably around like what? Like four p.m. yesterday. Griffin gets let go. Doc Rivers potentially hired. Brewer signed Reese Hoskins. Packers fire Joe Barry. And like the span of less than 24 hours, just a crazy 24 hours in Wisconsin. Plenty to talk about in, uh, in Wisconsin sports. Uh, I do not think Lovey Smith would be an option. Don't think so. Um, I just think his defense is too outdated at this point. So don't do not think that that would be an option. All right. Anyone else? Did I miss any super chats? Oh, what about Rex Ryan? Uh, Toby? I did. Uh, I did talk about him as a potential option. It doesn't feel like that's the, the green Bay type, like that, his coaching style necessarily fits in green Bay, but listen, he's been a head coach. He's been a successful defensive coordinator. The more aggressive blitzing types are certainly very popular at the moment. He lives and dies by an aggressive, aggressive blitzing style of defense. He is a coach that wears out his welcome pretty quickly. Everyone loves him for a few seasons and then everyone's like, all right, I think I'm ready for this shtick to be done. Uh, but yeah, it, he was a name that was on my list. For those of you who are just joining again, names on my list, Jim Leonard, Ajiro Evero, Mike Zimmer, Brandon Staley, L. Harris, Rex Ryan, Marquand Manuel, Jesse Minter, Wink Martindale, Chris Hewitt, Chris Harris, Aubrey Pleasant, Anthony Weaver, Leslie Frazier, Dave Aranda, Sean McDermott if he gets fired, and Mike Vrabel. That's, that to me is the list. Um, I know some people have said like Johnny Holland, the, the linebackers coach for the 49ers, former Packers linebacker could be another name potentially as well. Um, <laughs> uh, Grant, I don't know. And I, or a giant, I should say great, great screen name there, buddy. We need someone bald. Uh, sure. Oh, and look at this, look at this perfect timing for Jay Zimmerman. What about Johnny Holland? Could be another name on the list. I, when I went through it originally, I didn't, didn't think that that would necessarily be the case, but, um, he could be a name to keep an eye on. Fernando Everrow would be dope. His Broncos defense was sick. Quite surprised he wasn't retained. Uh, yeah, again, he is still the defensive coordinator in Carolina right now. So they don't have a head coach there. Uh, he also could, he's getting head coaching interviews, so he could get a head coaching job. So that's within the realm of possibility as well. But uh, if he does become available, would definitely be a name that I would expect to see on, on their actual list. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a variety of defensive coaches. Obviously, George's defense has been insane. So if they want to look at Glenn Schumann, um, a lot of those guys, if they're in really good spots, just don't necessarily want to leave because they are in such good spots and the job security is pretty tight. But um, listen, if, if he would be interested, absolutely. I think that'd be a, at least a phone call that you would potentially want to make. Where the Green Bay Packers? It's going to be some position coach we've never heard of or a guy that's been around the league and been trashed. I don't think that's true. Uh, Dom Capers was a extremely well-experienced defensive coordinator, one of the top defensive minds at its time. And um, that was a huge hire. Mike Patton was one of the top defensive coordinator uh, candidates at the time when they got him. And you have to remember the Joe Barry situation was only because they were an NFC championship team and had to wait till all the defensive coordinators were picked over. And then they were deciding still between Jim Leonard, who was a top candidate and they offered Jim Leonard and he just said, no. So I think that the last three, you know, coordinators that they offered, um, Capers, Patton, and, and Leonard were all top defensive coordinator candidates at the time. It just so happened that Leonard said no, and they had they kind of got left on the scrap heap at the end of the last one. So, I don't necessarily agree with that, your mother. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And I think all the names we just mentioned are all really sound names. Uh Chris, can't believe people are saying that this could be a make or break hire for Matt LaFleur. Surely he's earned more credit than that. I do believe he's earned more credit than that, Chris. I don't think that this will ultimately break the Matt LaFleur regime. I think what people are understandably stating though is that his coordinator hires have not been good. And at some point, you need to bring someone in that can run a successful defense. Like if you're a non top 10, non top 15 defense for the next 3 or 4 years under Matt LaFleur, a you're probably just not winning a Super Bowl and B, uh, it puts so much pressure on the offense to be really good because you're not going to have a top-tier defense. And at some point, there's probably just a breaking point there. So you need to bring someone in that can get you a top-10 defense. No two ways about it. Now, that partly goes on Goody, too, for the talent that he's bringing in and Matt, what he's doing on the offensive side, Rich, what he's doing on the special team side, but his coordinator hires have not been good. And if he hires a bad one, and this ends up being a defense that's just, you know, bottom, you know, bottom third of the league for the next three, three years again. Yeah, that will have a lasting impact on what the, Matt LaFleur's coaching tenure can be in Green Bay. So I don't think it's necessarily like if he hires someone and they have a bad defense this year, like it's just like, oh, get rid of Matt LaFleur. But I do think that if he hires the wrong guy, that this could undermine his tenure moving forward and make it really hard for him to be successful. So in that situation, I sort of get it. All right. What else do we want to talk about? I do not think letting Jair be player coach would be a good idea, Blake, but funny or funny uh thought process nonetheless. Definitely got left on the scrap heap with Joe Berry, totally agreed. I guess I'm probably going to wrap up here pretty soon. Like I said, I woke up 5 minutes before I went live on this, so I'm sure I look amazing. Um but I definitely could use uh, you know, some some cereal and <laughs> Uh, some vitamins and get the day started off right here and go through all the tweets of what's happened in the last hour since, uh, since I stopped recording. But if you have any other questions, I'll stick around for about five more minutes here. If our defense performed better, do you think Matt LaFleur is up for coach of the year this year doing what he's done with this young team? Yeah, he'll be in a list of candidates now um the, the expectations have, have risen for what this team could be. So they probably need to be really good, but yeah, the defense plays well and they're a, and win the NFC North and, and go on to have a great season. Yeah, I absolutely think you could be in the, um, in the conversation. Uh, actually, I'm gonna come back to this. I want to get to this before I forget it. Ross Uglum tweeted something about doing a draft collab with you. Yes. More to come on that very, very shortly. I'm going to just give a teaser to that. Uh, Ross and I will be working together during draft, uh, season, and there will be an announcement on that made very, very soon. Be very, very excited, extremely excited about what that's going to bring to the table. It's going to be awesome. I'll leave it at that for now. Uh, Does the firing mean Matt LaFleur was the reason the D played better down the stretch? Um, Not necessarily, but it probably played a part. I would be surprised if it didn't play a part. The defense played different, even in that Carolina. So he mentioned it after Tampa Bay game. um, And even starting with the Carolina game, even though that Carolina game didn't go well, you saw the defense play a different brand of football it felt like Matt was involved. So I would be surprised if he wasn't, I don't necessarily know that it's like a one-to-one correlation, but listen, Matt can't spend, you know, he doesn't have all 24 hours in the day to coach offense and defense. Like it's an 18 hour a week job, just coaching the team and being the offensive guy, like 18 hour a day guy, Um, like adding defensive responsibilities to that is just a near impossibility. And you don't want him being taken away from what he does best. And certainly it seems like he made an impact on the defensive side, which if, if that is the case, like that's incredible, like that he can just go and be like, I'm going to go fix the defense too. Like I do think that's what you're looking at for head coach for Matt. Like I think he brings so much to the table, but you also want him focusing on uh, the head coaching position and the offensive position more sincerely. All right. Uh how do you not get really down after a playoff loss? Uh, Scott, I was really bummed out about the playoff loss. No question about it. They had the ability to win that game, which uh, really sucks. Um, I think this year is a little bit different because of expectations and, you know, how young and talented they are. And I think the future is very, very bright, which allows you to reset this one a little bit quicker. But I was very bummed, especially the, the day of and the day after of that loss. No question about it. That sucks. They should have won. They We should be... We shouldn't even be talking about Joe Barry right now. We should be talking about how Green Bay can go into Detroit and win a Super Bowl or uh, win a game to go to a Super Bowl, I should say. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely bummed about it, but um, certainly the moving on from Joe Barry makes it a little bit easier. And certainly the, the play of Jordan Love in this young core makes it a lot easier. Jen Wright, good to see you. Whoever they hire is going to have a lot of young talent to make this work as a team going to be a tough hire. Yes, although I do think defense has some very clear and obvious holes. Uh, you know, Kenny's not getting any younger, Preston Smith's not getting any younger. You do still have a core inside of like Wyatt and Carl Brooks and TJ Slayton, LVN and Rashawn Gary up front. But, um, that front was hot and cold last year. I'll put it that way. There were times they looked good. There were times they did not look good off ball linebacker. You have a decision to make on Devondre Campbell. You do have Quay and McDuffie. Quay also hot and cold has not reached his potential yet. I think you feel pretty comfortable with Jair. And Valentine is your outside corners. You can't really count on Eric Stokes. You have no other corners uh, outside of some practice squad pickups that are set to be on the roster as of right now. And then the safety room is barren. Um, No question about it. So this defense does have some holes, and Goody's going to have to be very wise as to how he fills those uh, this offseason. But there's obviously as a hole on the team, there's a ton of young talent. But the defensive side definitely is as crazy as it sounds with all the money and draft picks that they've put into the defense. It's far from a finished product and they definitely need an influx of talent still on defense. Sean, it is absolutely an attractive job for part of the reason Jen just said you have a head coach that's, you know, ensconced in the position. I think that's the first time I ever used the word ensconced. So hopefully I used it correctly. If I did very proud of myself. Um, but I think he's set in that position. Um, you have a a quarterback who's going to be here for a decade. That looks really freaking good. You have the foundation to be super successful. You've got Super Bowl aspirations. I think it's an extremely, extremely attractive job. All right. Somebody named Blake apparently made a good point. Oh, now well, I see it, Blake. I don't disagree, but we don't need to go into that right now. <laughs> Perry was right, and Alex was wrong. We got rid of Joe Barry. Thank goodness, he was right. Ah, uh, yeah, we just had a conversation with Justice yesterday too, and Justice felt. Um, Justice felt like Joe Barry was going to stay and he put together a really strong reason for it. And like, as I'm listening to him, I'm like, yeah, he's probably just right. Um, it's a fun, it's a fun conversation to go back and listen to now, but I'm very happy that Green Bay got to the decision that they did. When I talked to Aaron Nagler for let's talk football, when I was asked about it, um, when we talked with Alex and Perry, I said, I thought they would move on. I did. It it was slightly telling to me in the press conference, two things. One, it's funny that, when he's asked about, he wasn't directly asked about Joe Barry, he sort of put up this force field of not talking about it. But when he was sort of indirectly asked about it, he was like, I have, I'm not ready to you know, dive into any long-term decisions or things like that. And then when I asked him about Tom Clements, he's like, we'd be stupid not to keep that guy and just, and then spoke glowingly for three minutes of Tom Clements. So clearly he had some coordinator or coaching you know, staff members that he was very ready to know, you know to be able to know that he wanted back the fact that he was not ready to know about Joe Barry was almost telling in and of itself. It, it, I heard rumblings and I didn't have anything concrete enough to like report it out or anything, but I did hear some stuff where like everyone in the bill or not everyone, but there were those in the building that were ready to move on from Joe Barry uh, around the time of the Carolina Panthers game. And that it was almost like a foregone conclusion the question was going to be like, did those last four change, games change the calculus at all? I didn't think that it would, especially as after I went back and watched the tape on it. So I did feel like this was probably going to be the decision that they reached, but I did—I certainly didn't have a great, a great confidence in it, especially when I found out from Matt Schneiden, um that he was still under contract. So I'm just, uh, again, Matt made the right choice. There's no two ways about it. Uh, yet we keep the same position, coach. We don't know that yet, Juan. We don't, we don't know that they could absolutely change some, some position coaches also like it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not, um, the, the, the defensive coordinator is really tasked with coaching a scheme and calling the plays and sort of having the autonomy of the defense as a whole, the position coaches are coaching technique of how to win. Now you do have to be on the same page You can't have, it felt like Joe Barry and Jerry Gray were not on the same page as to how Joe Barry and Jerry Gray wanted the defensive backs to play within that defense. And that makes things hard. So you do have to make sure that everyone's on the same page and aligned, but it, it also doesn't have to necessarily be, um, you know, you can make it work in a variety of ways, but as I mentioned earlier, it should be the defensive coordinator's decision as to who he wants to keep on the defensive staff. And we don't know for sure yet what's going to happen there. And Jen, I agree. I think was just being more thankful than anything else. Don't think he was trolling. Um, I think he's going to, again, he's under contract unless he retires or unless things get super toxic with him and the Packers. He's not going anywhere. I wouldn't worry too much at this point. Uh, I do hope whoever we keep keeps Ryan Downard. He has worked wonders with a ragtag group of safeties. I mean, it seems like a good coach. I mean, this is the really hard thing for, it should be all of us. I mean, I cover the team literally 365 days a year. It's really hard to say which positional coaches are good and which are bad. You can somewhat tell as to like which players have taken a jump and have risen above expectations. But um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell which ones are doing well and which ones aren't. Like we we just don't get a good enough visibility on that. You know, Kirk Olavadotti could be doing wonders with the inside linebacker group. And it just maybe Quay and Campbell and, and McDuffie as a whole are just not good enough. Um, that's a possibility. We don't know, it, you know, so who knows? Uh, but uh, Downard seems fine. seems like a good coach. Maybe they will keep him. Uh got to think Campbell is at risk. McDuffie was a good option. Might not be a starter. though. Campbell absolutely should be at risk. That's that should be an easy release for green Bay. To be honest, should be an easy release for green Bay. What do we do with Dylan this offseason? I think they go in a different direction, but if they can get him cheap, maybe they just keep him. Matt LaFleur obviously spoke very glowingly of him. Um, but I think they go in a different, younger, faster direction, would be my guess. I guess I haven't specifically answered this question. I went through a list of candidates, but who do I think that they should get for defensive coordinator? Um, and appreciate the the kind words, Val. Um it's a great question. One of the names I really did like was Patrick Graham, the Raiders defensive coordinator. And if, uh, if Pierce would have left and they would have let him go, that would have been one that I would have been really interested in. Jira Evero is definitely, I think on the the top three of names on my list, no question about it. I think Wink Martindale is a a, coach that you have to bring in and consider for the spot. Um, and I do still really kind of like the idea of, Uh, Jim Leonard as well. I know that there's some people that are just all the way off the Jim Leonard train. I don't totally understand it. Um, but he's a name that I still think makes some sense. I don't know. I think there it's interesting that I think there are a lot of very good options and a lot of improved, like clear and obvious improvements over Joe Barry, but maybe not like the one clear standout option. Vrabel would be amazing if they could make that happen. Um, again, Sean McDermott would be my first choice. If he actually becomes available, I don't think he's going to, I think he's going to stay head coach in Buffalo, but if they decide to move on, that would probably become my, my first choice. But I really think the good news is, is there's like 10 candidates that if they hired, it would be a, a pretty sizable improvement over what Joe Barry brought to the table. So I'm not, I don't have like a huge horse in the race at this point. And I will tell you as well, I'll go through a deeper dive, especially as we start getting like confirmations of who they're interviewing. Like if we today get like a confirmation that they're going to interview, you know, Chris Hewitt, Ravens secondary coach as a potential candidate, we'll do a much deeper dive into Chris Hewitt at that point. And I'm sure some of those will be, um, you know, we talked about a little bit more as time goes on. (laughs) I'll be here all day, get some coffee. I'm here all day, Jen. I'm happy to be here all day. All right. Uh, Unreal, to me, the team is built to play an aggressive, fast style of defense and Barry's scheme didn't fit that style of play. I'd prefer an aggressive scheme. I'll say this, and maybe this is a a perfect spot to end. 3-4, 4-3 doesn't matter. And scheme only matters as much as you have the right players to play the scheme and you run the scheme the right way. What I mean by that is there is no perfect scheme in the NFL. Green Bay tore up. Brian Flores' aggressive tacking scheme in their last game this season. They tore up Dan Quinn's passive zone scheme with two high safeties. They played all different sorts of defenses this year and Green Bay cut through all of them at different times. Um, a 4-3 three, or 3-4, three, a cover two, a cover three, a cover four, a super aggressive, a super passive, a bend but don't break, a blitz on every play. There's no perfect scheme, guys. There's, there's not going to be like... If, if there were, everyone would be running the same damn thing. You're not going to just bring in, oh, they got they got somebody who can run Brian Flores' scheme. That's great. That's fun. And there'll be exciting plays that come from that. There'll be a lot of huge plays that they give up because of that. Like, you just, what, and this is a perfect place to end. What Joe Barry never figured out and what he never got accomplished is this defense never had an identity and never had anything that they did well. His identity that he wanted was bend, but don't break. But they never did it well enough. There was too much breaking, too much bending, and not enough stopping. And they didn't do that. That one thing that he wanted this defense to be, they were never great at. And in the meantime, they weren't an aggressive attacking defense. They were a poor tackling defense. They were a—they were not a ball hawking takeaway defense. They never got enough turnovers. There was nothing that you could point to that this defense did at a high level, not stop the run, not stop the pass. None of it. There was no identity. There was nothing perfect. Giannis, when talking about his, their defense in Milwaukee, that's been brutal this season said, we have to have something that we lean on. We have to have something that we do well. We have to know, are we going to allow open threes? Are we going to allow plays at the basket? Are we going to allow offensive rebounds? And what he's saying is, we can't stop all of it in, in, in NBA, NFL, NHL, soccer, whatever, you're going to allow something. You can't stop everything. There are going to be weaknesses in what you do in every single defense. So number one is how do you minimize those weaknesses? And two, how do you maximize your strengths? And so Giannis was saying about his defense, they've got to figure out, are we going to make it so that they are never getting open threes? That's fine, but you're going to give more open stuff in the lane. And you might be willing to live with that. So you never give up open threes. Are you going to make sure that they never get easy baskets at the bucket? That's fine. But you know that you're going to give up more open threes in that situation. And it's the same in in football. Are you going to be a more attacking, aggressive style of defense? And we're going to come after you and blitz the crap out of you. That's fine. You're going to get more takeaways, more sacks and more big plays out of that. You're also going to give up some really huge explosive plays out of that. That might be okay. Okay because you're going to get the turnovers that you need, the sacks that you need, and more, and you're going to get the ball back in certain occasions. Are you going to play a super passive brand of defense? That can be okay. People don't like that defense. I understand it, but you can make that work if you do it well. You have to know that they're going to nickel and dime you and paper cut you to death, and that might be okay. If you can have a really great red zone defense and you can take away the ball better in that process, get interceptions, force holding penalties, get sacks, and make them work 85 yards, you know, 80 yards down the field on 15 play drives, and then hopefully hold them to a field goal, you can win that way, but you better be good at it. And right now in Milwaukee, they're not good at any of it. They're giving open threes, transition layups, transition dunks, uh, offensive rebounds. They suck at all of it. And that's what I has saying. saying. We have to figure out something we can be great at. This Packers defense, whoever they hire, has to find something that they can be great at. And then whatever that weakness is off of that, they need to find a way as best they can to minimize it. Joe never had that. There was never anything that they were great at. There was never a strength, and there were far too many weaknesses. Adrian Griffin in Milwaukee never had that. Never a strength, all the weaknesses in the world. It got Griffin fired yesterday. It got Joe Barry fired today. This next defensive coordinator has to have a scheme that fits the personnel, that makes sure they maximizes their strengths. Justice and I were talking about it yesterday. Their strengths arguably were at outside corner. Valentine was having a solid season and Jair can cover anyone, but they played a lot of cover three, cover four where they're just backing up and playing their zone. And same in what you're asking in that situation is for everything to get funneled to the middle. And now teams are attacking the Packers in the middle of the field, which you're attacking guys like Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell, Isaiah McDuffie, Keyshawn Nixon, Rudy Ford, Darnell Savage, um, Jonathan Owens, Anthony Johnson, Jr. That's who you're attacking in the middle of the field. Who do you want them to throw at those guys or Carrington, Valentine, and Jair Alexander? I want them to throw at Carrington, Valentine, and Jair Alexander. I would rather have that than throw at guys in the middle of the field. You need to flood the middle of the field and you need to make sure that your, your run defense is sound in the middle of the field. And you need to make in, if you need to put Carrington and Jaya on an Island outside a little bit more and force them to throw long and outside. Fine. I trust Valentine and Ja more than I trust the interior players in past defense, but that's not what Joe Barry did. He made it so that it made it more advantageous to throw to the middle of the field against the Packers weakest coverage players. That's just a, it's just the wrong mindset for the wrong team. It never fit. The puzzle piece never made sense based on what he was trying to do in green Bay. And now green Bay got rid of it, but it's important that they find the right guy to fill that spot moving forward. Guys, we have had almost a thousand people in this chat for the past hour. Like I said, I woke up about five, 10 minutes before this all happened. So I am going to get out of here. Um, I'm excited to talk about this today later with Sam Munson. That that podcast will be up uh, tomorrow. Maybe I'll post a little bit early. We'll see. But obviously this one's up on YouTube. For those who didn't catch the whole thing, probably post this on the audio channel as well. Huge day for Green Bay. They move on from Joe Barry. It's the right move. We will talk a lot about defensive coordinator candidates moving forward and it should be a, a very exciting off season. And this is just the start of it. It's going to do it for me today, guys. I appreciate you a ton. This was a really, really fun chat. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. I will see you guys very, very soon. You guys know, oh, we got a quick super chat. Uh, Fenrir, I think they need to look at how the offense did. Packers offense was always great at long passes, but that has limits. They developed running and short passes and carved up every NFL defense um yeah I think there's a lot of synergy there and that's why I think Matt probably wanted to get involved in the defense that's why they brought in a defensive minded coach and Aubrey Pleasant to help the offense last year you have to know what other offenses are doing well to have a good defense you have to know what other defenses are doing well to have a good offense so absolutely I think they'll be on top of that and Matt's going to be I think very surgical in his approach to finding this defensive coordinator Like I was saying guys appreciate you a ton uh, I'll be back covering this Uh, defensive coordinator opening all freaking week. It should be a ton of fun. Appreciate you guys. I will see you soon, but until next time, and as always go pack.